Welcome to the DL. This is the show where we talk about everything in the truck and equipment repair industry. It's my job to help inform and educate you on ways to help your business. We talk with technicians, business owners, associations, industry experts, manufacturers, and even a few you wouldn't think traditionally apply to your business. Welcome everyone to another episode of the DL. This is another in studio where I actually have two of our subject matter experts with us today. So if you thought I knew anything about trucks, I don't. These two guys really do. So um, again, welcome to the DL. I, I love doing these types of things. I love the behind the thing, scene things that we can do where we can get some of our employees in front of the camera. So first of all, you've been on the camera plenty. Right, a little bit. bit. <laughs> yep, and you've been in video. Like you're on every video everyone sees. I think on the as soon as they the open launcher. up their laptop, yeah, they, they, they look at me. Yeah, so they're probably like, yeah. now we yeah. know that guy, right? So why don't you guys introduce yourselves and explain what you do here, and maybe how, maybe how long you've been here too? Yeah. So uh, my name is Dustin Carnes. I'm the training manager here at Diesel Laptops. I've been here for a little over three years, uh, which is actually kind of. OG, like <laughs> which doesn't sound long at all, but for this company, it's OG. Um, but yeah, I was a diesel technician for a lot of years. I worked with this guy right here um, for right alongside of him for a long time at a Carolina International. We always go by building with the originals, right? <laughs> right? So what, yeah, what yeah. building number were you were you in? Um, I've been in three buildings. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, building two then. Yeah, yeah. do the math. Right. All right, and then and then we got Scott. So Scott, why don't you why don't you explain to everyone who you are, what you do, how long you been here? Yeah, sure. So I'm Scott Meek. I'm a trader here. Been here for going on three years, and uh, I guess I was building number three, Gilbert, yeah. Gilbert yeah. location. Uh, it's a fun company. A lot of good stuff going on, you know. Yeah, and well, what did both of you guys do before this? I think that's the that's the question. Like you guys are trainers. I mean, you're what you did before, Scott. Scott, you're and uh, you, Dustin especially you, like you're a training manager and building training <laughs> curriculum and course all over. But what did you do before this? So I was a, a, a diesel tech at Carolina International, um, worked on mostly electrical, after treatment diagnostics, same thing, uh, right alongside of him. Uh, we saw the, you know, at a dealership, we saw the, the worst problems, the worst electrical stuff, the stuff that a lot of the other shops couldn't fix, always get sent to us, so. And the newest uh, stuff too, right? right? There, yeah, oh right? yeah, brand new. Uh, straight off the line, like, causing issues. Well, Scott, <laughs> what's your previous experience to this? So I had a little bit different start than Dustin did. Dustin had some college education and uh, worked at an automotive shop before uh, Carolina International. Oh, so he's one of these educated guys. He's one of the educated oh, yeah. guys. Um, so I started in 2003, and I started as an apprentice. And uh, I started out cleaning mop buckets and cleaning parts and kind of worked my way up to, you know, rear ends, so drive trains. Did, did you go to formal school at all? I went to a, I went to a one-year program through Greenville Technical College okay. and uh, basically how it worked was it was actually six months of school it was a year program but you spent six months in school you sent uh, spent six months in the field uh, with like I think it was like three month blocks so just curious of all the professions in all of the world why why diesel tech oh that's a story so is it I can nutshell it yeah, pretty quick okay. uh, wasn't wasn't very good at school yeah. uh, didn't really didn't really care for school too much to be honest with you um Dad pretty much told me, he was a farmer, grew up, said, I want you to have a good life. Whatever you want to do in this life, I'll cover it. You go to college, you want to be a pharmacist, I'll cover it. Nope, not for me, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, C and D student, and then took auto class. Uh, my instructor was Mr. Jowers, and I competed in a, in a competition against other high schoolers, and I won. 
And he said, you need to be a technician. And I said, that sounds good. And he said, you need to do diesel because that's where the money's at. And I said, let's do it. Well, so, and that's where... The bigger the truck, the bigger the pay, right? That's what they say. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not. the work. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Dustin, how did you become a diesel tech? Like, how did... What was that path? So, like Scott said, I was actually... I uh, went to USC here for electrical engineering. I was always messing with electronics and pulling stuff apart. So, I always knew that that was something I would be into. So, I started in school. It was doing okay and then I started working at uh, Pet Boys actually for, for automotive and started doing really well at Pet Boys and one of the guys that I worked with actually uh, worked at CIT and he was like hey Dustin <laughs> like come make some real money over here in the diesel like and yeah. I was like I mean I'll, I'll try it out like nuts and bolts and 12 volts right so uh, started working the diesel and it so, worked out pretty well. I mean, we all worked at the same company before this, and we actually, I wasn't in the same building as you guys. I was kind of across, but I'd walk through there all the time. Right, so my, yeah. my heart's always been in repair, right? So, you know, you saw a lot of technicians come through that shop the time you guys were there, yeah. right? And I'm assuming you got, what did you notice about younger ones coming up? Were they, were they getting great educations? Did they need two-year degrees? Were they really open and easy to work with and learn? I hate to say this, but if, if I can say one word about the, the younger generation that we saw was just lazy. I hate to say that, but I mean, they came in and just kind of, hey, I heard I can make some money here and I'm just here to try it out and see how it works. And you didn't see a lot of drive. It's, it, you know, maybe one out of 10 guys would show up into the shop and, and you could yeah. tell he's, you know, he or her, or we're yeah. going to make a tech. Well, we're going to make a I tech. I mean, the dealership was a little bit different because it's not changing oil and tires. It's, especially at a dealership, an OEM dealership, it's like, like you said earlier, you this is the hard. It. This is the hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, at dealerships, you have one distinct advantage: you have access to OEM tools, yeah. OEM repair information. You usually don't work on stuff outside your OEM that much, unless right. you're a really progressive yeah. dealer. Mm -hmm. And then you had access to training. Yeah. Right. So then you translate that now into the world we have today, where you have for every one truck dealership, there's ten independents. Right. So there's forty thousand independent shops. You got your mobile maintenance guys. And now you guys are actually helping to train those people. Right. So the question I've always have is like, man, if I owned a repair shop, how the heck do I get my guys trained up on electrical, after treatment systems, uh, you know, electrification of trucks is coming. Like, how do you, I, as far as I know, there's not a lot of good resources out there for that. There's stuff. It's just really hard to find. I mean, the stuff you can come across on YouTube or whatever, but actual good structured training, there's not really a lot out there. Um, you know, you have to go in and do some real digging to find it. And that was, you know, I mean, even at the dealership, you know, the guys that had access to the online electrical training, the stuff that we had to do, um, they, they didn't focus a lot on what the true problems the technicians had. So let, let's demystify a dealership a little bit. Scott, I'd love to hear your opinion. Say, say you have a dealership, in your experience, 20 technicians. Mm -hmm. How many men there are proficient at using a multimeter? Okay, so that's a tough one. So in your average dealership with 20 technicians proficient with a multimeter, I'd say maybe three to four. Maybe. Yeah. It's, a, it's but maybe, maybe 25 This is like yeah. the creme of the cram dealership. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that, that's, yeah. I mean that, that's the part I think surprises people is like, oh, I brought it to the dealer. They, they know what they're doing there. I'm like, right. I was a service <laughs> manager. I've been in enough dealerships. There's a couple guys that know what they're yeah. doing. And there's, yeah. yeah, there's a huge difference in between using a multimeter for a super basic function like checking voltage and then starting to step out of just that specific right. function, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. a lot of techs can check voltage, resistance, you know, things like that, but there's other functions that they can do. Actually understanding yeah. what they're doing. And understanding doing, exactly yeah. what they're doing, yeah. Yep. All right, so 
I know you have on our training.dieselaptops.com, there's an actual quiz that you have on there for people. Like, what, what is the quiz? And can you guys kind of tell me, like, how many people have taken it and what are some of the results you've seen off this, this quiz that we have? Yeah, so we took basically a bunch of our classes and we took kind of the basic information from those classes, put them into a quiz and decided, like, let's just so electrical? Pull, pull our customer there. Electrical, there's after treatment. Um, there's some a little bit of data bus, just very basic data bus stuff on there. Um, so we, I think it's around 15 questions or so. Um, we've had 1,300 people take the take the quiz, and the average score. Now these are basic diagnostic questions. The average score is 42 percent. Yeah. Um, so I mean, and you know, the the worst ones are the electrical questions. Um, yeah. You know, and, with the industry the way it is, that's the one that people so, need the most. <laughs> so Scott, does that, does that surprise you at all? Not really. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. Um, it, it's one of those things with electricity, you have to spend time with it. You have to want to be good with it, you know, and you just, you just got to start doing it, you know, and, and it's, it's intimidating. Technicians get scared to try. Um, they easily get a lot of time in the job. Boss gets upset, right? So there are some yeah. reasons why technicians can shy away from electricity, but I believe that, you know, the majority of technicians have what it takes to be good at electrical diagnostics if they put in the work and the time. So, I mean, I was a service manager, and I, I didn't know anything about fixing trucks, right? I was just okay at managing people and getting them the resources. But I can't tell you how many how many times we'd have 20, 30 hours into an electrical repair, <laughs> and finally guys like, F it, I'm running an overlay harness. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? Yep. So I, I think that's just because they don't, they don't have the right... It's not their fault. I, I don't. I'm not saying they're right, bad. Yeah. I'm saying it's because they don't have the opportunity exactly. to have those courses and, and mentors and the, the knowledge to do those things. Yeah, and one of the things you kind of just brought up was the you know the service manager is always on them. And one thing I, I was talking to, um, so I don't remember who it was, um, but what they do at their shop is if a technician gets into an electrical job, and they say, okay, this is kind of over my head, he says, stop right there at that moment. <laughs> I have some online electrical testing, you know, some training. Go do that training, and then come back to that job, and then you get the you get the training, you get that hands-on experience right after that. And that, I thought that was really good. That something yeah. that you don't see a lot is given the given the technicians to make themselves better, um, and I, not just do your job, do your, I, you know, I, get it out real quick, like. I can't imagine that was a dealership that said that. No, usually, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say it was a fleet. And, and, uh, you know, for the audience that might not be aware of, of, of why I said that, it's because at dealerships, it's about productivity, Bottom about efficiency, yeah. it's about your effective labor rate. Right. It's like yeah. you got to knock stuff. You got to knock stuff out. But eventually, you know, yeah. you get to a certain point, and that starts to pay off big time. You don't it have does. to do that yeah. anymore. You know, it's the long so, game, and yeah, that, I think that's right. part of the struggle. Though, is people are like, man, I'm going to go train my t train my guy. Well, now he's going to be better. Now he's going to ask for more money, or I'm going to lose him to somebody else. So <laughs> they get caught in that, yeah. like. Yeah. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't right. scenario. But there's there's a lot of variables that, that go into that, that entire thing. So yep. let's let's talk about some of the courses we have. Scott, what are what are some of the more popular ones that we have? And so after treatment still seems to be the number one. Um, after treatment's always been a good seller. Uh, electrical one and electrical two is coming around. Um, data bus, people are starting to come to that a little more. Um, scope class, we're going to start pushing that a little bit and see how so, that goes. So let's talk about scopes, okay. right? So mm -hmm. you said scopes. Oscilloscopes. Mm -hmm. what, explain to everyone what that is and why it's important and, and why we're investing in teaching people that and selling those products. Well, depending on what you're trying to do with a scope, um, having that, that graph view in front of you, that real time, uh, really makes a difference. It's really helpful for certain things like data bus. Um, can you troubleshoot data bus without a scope? You can. 
but scopes just really let you see what that waveform's doing, what it's supposed to look like, gives you a really good idea of what's happening in that system, uh, which you can still do with a multimeter, but it's, it's a little more in depth, takes a little more time, there's a little more room for error. Um, scopes are also neat because when you're checking mechanical components like injectors, you can actually see the physical mechanical uh, aspect of that so, injector as so well. So I can as use an oscilloscope to figure out what injector's failing. You can. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you can use it to see what cylinder's failing. You can use it for, I mean, there's so there's, many. Yeah, there's so, so many, many ways you can use yeah. it. Vib vibrations. Yeah. 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 And it's really good, especially for us in the training classes, to, like you said, you know, it graphs things out for you and it, it helps technicians visualize what's really happening in those you know, magical electrical circuits and stuff, you know what I mean? So I actually use the oscilloscope and electrical two class quite a bit because we go over a lot of different sensor diagnostics in that class. And with the scope, when I explain, you know, like a Hall effect sensor and that digital output, that square wave output, um, it's hard for them to understand what I'm saying when I say it's on or off, on or off. Well, when you use the, the scope, they can see that. They can see right? it. Yeah. So it, it helps sync that into. Right. So the after treatment class, I, I think the point of people to understand is it's not like I know when I was at the dealership and you had training, it was like, oh, here's a Cummins five-day overall class, yep. right? Yep. Or a five-day, three-day this, or Detroit does the same thing, and they all, all the OEMs do. That's not what, when you say after-treatment class, it's not like a five-day thing. Can you explain no. a little more on what, what they really learn in that class? So what, what we've done with that class is we took the, the 15 years of experience we had in the field and, and how many years of after-treatment? Let's see, uh, it would have been 2007, so uh, we left in 18, so 11 years right? Um, what we try to do in this class is, is break down each individual component, what it does, how it's manufactured, what that component does, how it works, what type of you know physical characteristics it has. Then we go into putting all that together and then what does the engine have to do with it? How does the engine affect it? Um, and then we go through universal troubleshooting that we figured out over 11, 12 years works. It doesn't matter what you're working on, whether it's a Detroit, a yeah. Cummins, a Cat. We don't care. As long as you understand the, the basic principles, you're going to be able to figure out what's going on with that vehicle. Yeah. So, you know, my general, I, I'm curious if you guys agree with me or not. So, you know, 2004, we had EGR, right? Yep. 2007, we had DAF, or I'm sorry, DPF, DPF filters yep. put on. DOC, yep. Then we had SCR that kind of came along later. Mm -hmm. it, it, I remember when I was a service manager, we were literally placing EGR valves and EGR coolers by the pallet it loads. It was crazy. Right? Yeah. Like literally, yeah. literally by the pallet loads. Yep. Um, and that seemed to kind of start going away a little bit, then other things happened. Where is it today? Are these things as horrible as they were back in 04, 07, 08? Or have they fine-tuned the engineering better on these things? They're not failing as much, or is it just there's more stuff, there's more failures now? What, what's your perception? You want to take that? You I mean, me? yeah. So, you know, as far as, like, some of the after-treatment system issues that plagued the, the really early ones, like the 2007 and 2010 models, they've kind of figured out the actual regen system. Those are, you know, work fairly well. It's a lot of the, you know, because of the way after treatment worked, after treatment, it, it relies heavily on what happens in the engine. And no matter what happens, like there's always gonna be some types of engine problems or some types of, you know, whatever, whatever the case it is, uh, depending on the engine, but it all it ends up affecting the after treatment downstream, so it always, you know, when you when you talk to people, oh, we have after treatment, after treatment, after treatment issues. A lot of times, those are, you know, the result of something else. Um, so I think most of the manufacturers have gotten a decent hand on the actual after treatment system, but it's still those normal, you know, whatever it is, manufacturing defects or or whatever it is that causes 
those issues still. Yeah. Um, I'd like to add a couple things too. Yeah. That's all yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so one thing that we obviously still deal with is carbon, right? So the amount of carbon that gets packed into a, into an intake assembly, um, our engines are still suffocated, right? Um, but agreeing with Dustin on all that, another thing that I think has really helped is if you go back to the 07, 08, and 09, even in the dealership world, there was still a lot of misunderstanding on those systems. Yeah. So yeah. how much of that, obviously after treatment systems have problems, obviously diesel engines have problems, but I'd like to know the exact number of how many issues weren't fixed the first time, right? And it wasn't a component failure, it was right. just yeah. the wrong diagnostics were performed, right? Or just from not, not knowing, understanding just not it. understanding yeah. the system. Right. So, you know, I think the systems are more reliable than people give them credit for, but they're not without problems. Okay. So I remember, you know, essentially a decade ago, I was I was a service manager, right? Um, and I don't know, maybe it's changed since then, but I, I'd love to hear your guys' opinion. So we work for the OEM, we're a dealer, brand new truck model technology comes out. How, when did you guys actually get your training on these, on these new <laughs> I, things? I was actually so in 2007, <laughs> when, the, when the International launched their famous engine, we got training on that engine about, what, 2011? <laughs> about four years later? Yeah, so the repair information. The repair information so was... we had the first one out there. We're yeah. like, oh, it's got this new region system on it. We hit it, we, turned, we tried to turn on the region, and it didn't work, and we were like... All right, now what do we do? Like we had no clue. What, what? Like the 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 pre, you know, the pregame was not there. Like there was no training beforehand. Well, it was just here's th the. This trucks. is the way. It, I don't know if yeah. again. I don't know if it's still that way. But I remember being there. I was a service manager. We had no training before new stuff came out. Usually you didn't have the fault code tables. No repair yep. Parts usually weren't available. Yep. You had you had no you had no nothing, and a new truck would roll in with a problem. You're kind of like. Call a factory. <laughs> like I, yeah. you know? So that's why we believe in the training program that we built because we lived we through there. that. Yeah, when we when you have a new vehicle with no support, no training information, no repair information, you have nothing other than yourselves and the team around you to figure that out. And as much of a headache and a heartache as it was, it made us better. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's right. it's it's yeah, uh, you definitely cut your teeth quick. We had to work through it. Yeah, because yeah, sales just sold a hundred and twenty thousand dollar truck. It broke down, and the, cut, <laughs> the owner, the, the salesman, and the the, yep. the owner of the company is there. Like, what's going on? Yep. Got, uh, I, I've literally <laughs> yeah. I've literally submitted a case file for for support through an engineering group or the manufacturer we work for. And after two days, they literally replied back and said, when you figure it out, let us know so we can post it. And we're like, all right, well, we'll, we'll let you know. Just throw the old parts can in. You know, we, we joke yep. about throwing the parts can in things. OEM dealers do Some, that, too, Yeah, sometimes. I mean, once, you know, when, it, when the vehicle is new enough, the engineers don't know enough about it. They're getting the feedback from they, the tech. I mean, how many times did we figure something out and then, like, three months later, there's a recall on that exact same thing. We're like, yeah, yeah we were part of that test. Yeah, so. yeah, it, it's it's tough for manufacturers, right? I mean, they do all the testing yeah. in the world, but until those things get out there, and you yeah, got you can't see. I mean, every just look at situation. we were at International, right? They have what ten thousand employees, whatever it is. Like that's a lot of knowledge to try to disseminate through your entire organization right. and be efficient yeah. at it. So I, I get it. And I think the interesting thing too is all the OEMs. You know, you could tell when when I was there. At first, it was like hundred percent of the dealer to diagnose and figure out everything, decide what parts to replace. That changed quick. Oh, that pendulum yeah. was swinging yeah. the other way right. when I was there. It was like now you need pre. First, it was like. We need pre-approval for these things. Then it was yep. like, well, now you got to open a case file, <laughs> and we got a remote in. Yep. Then it was like, well, we're going to send you a tool, and we're going to do it for you. <laughs> like, how far did it get when you when you guys left? Was it the, anything on, that yeah. was mildly expensive? Yeah. You know, any type of any type of major repair, you had to have authorization. Yeah. I mean, you could. And the thing that would frustrate us is we'd go through and we'd check every everything we could check. 
we'd cross every T, dot every I, we'd submit the case file, and they'd still say, oh, well, go check this, this, and this. Yeah. And we're like, did you read three lines above? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They would just, they would fight yeah. you tooth and nail. I mean, and you yeah. understand, too, because we saw a lot of technicians that were just shotgunning parts, <laughs> throwing stuff on there. I mean, how many high-pressure pumps did they get back that were still sure. good? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get where they're coming from, too. But So, you know, like, we're, we're working with a component supplier. They make turbos. And they straight up said, like, we get a lot of turbos back that are probably under warranty, mm -hmm. and they're perfectly fine. Yeah. They go, the problem we have is we sold it to, say, Detroit. Detroit put in a truck. Like, we're not involved. They're not involved in that process right, anywhere. They're just right. kind of getting a bill back, like, yep. U.S. warranty money, mm -hmm. and they're kind of like, what do we do? So I think where all that's leading to, what I'm trying to say is, where I see the interesting movement to is people getting data off the vehicle in the cloud and, and being able to diagnose these things before they have problems or as they're in, in real time. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's really going to change. What I keep telling people is that the paradigm of truck breaks, someone diagnoses it, someone orders parts, someone fixes it, someone validates the repair. That's the, that's the typical process today. Mm -hmm. In my mind, that process is changing to my truck's sending me data that something's about to break or has right. broke. Somebody yeah. somewhere is figuring out what parts it needs and what repairs yep. need to get. Those parts are at the next place where it's stopping, and they're going to really hands-on manage that whole process to make sure it's done yep. properly. And I, I get why OEMs are doing it, because they don't have a lot of confidence in the dealer organization yeah. to, to handle it. To handle all this stuff, especially yeah. for warranty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were doing some of that with certain codes for the um, Max Force 13s with mm -hmm. the EGR, EGR codes. They would automatically say, okay, here's the parts in stock. Like, put this, EG, you know, as soon as you get the truck, here, put this on it. Like, yeah. you're done. Well, and I know our training classes, you guys have started to do some things beyond just commercial truck. So I know we got, uh, well, at least I remember buying a nice expensive hydraulic training board. So <laughs> We so, still have it. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? <laughs> it's in Dallas, actually. Okay. Well, so. let's, let's talk about Dallas. People might not know about Dallas. So tell, tell them about Dallas. Yeah. So uh, November of last year, we opened up our Dallas training facility. Uh, we're running, you know, bi-monthly, uh, two weeks out of the month, we're running training classes through there. Uh, it's been doing really well. Um, so we had yeah, a, we had a, we had to find a we found a full time instructor yep. brought him in trained him up. Yep. So Daniel Martinez is our instructor down there. He used to work for Snap On and uh, Volvo Max. He was a Volvo Mac trainer for a while. Um, so yeah, it's just well, and I don't know how much they've told you, but it sounds like now we're going to put a sales office in that same building as well. So yeah, it's about to get busy right. down there in Dallas. So yep. I'm it's, all it's, I'm all excited <laughs> about that. You mentioned Canvas a little bit before too, Scott. Just can you explain to everyone what when you say Canvas, what what is that? So just how modules communicate with each other. Um, it's basically essentially two wires. Um, we're gonna we're gonna send data down and uh, ones and zeros essentially, <laughs> and uh, that's just how modules communicate. How many so, how many modules on today's commercial trucks? Uh, major modules, you're probably looking anywhere 10, 11, maybe 12. But with minor modules, you could see 50. Yeah. You know, it just really it, depends it, on on the model. God, I remember yeah. when I first got involved with commercial trucks, it was really. Two. It was the engine and the ABS. <laughs> yeah, right? pretty and then, yeah. then Allison had, had one, right? And then sure. Eaton came with theirs. Yeah. But what it looks like to me, and I, again, I, this is not my world, but it, it appears a lot of these, it's almost like automotive, where you have these small component manufacturers. I got my window switch. Well, now it's got a little chip in there, and you got to get yeah. it programmed. It's its, own, device, it's, right? its own module yep. now, right? Yeah. It's its own computer on the vehicle. That's right. Well, it makes uh, all the little fancy features that, that people like, those are because of the little modules that they can almost think for themselves and do all these fancy things. So, so. I was just looking at, um, so like International, they have a body control module on there, right? I was just looking at the Falco tables with one of our other employees on Western Star, and I was shocked. There was literally like two dozen 
different source addresses. So each source address is a module, right? Like right. radio, yeah. Windows Where switch, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, man, Western things <laughs> you made in Canada, they had no computers. Now now they yeah. got yeah. They, they got a much. So yeah. you know, if you have to look in the this is the part I try to get across to everybody. If you had to look in the future ten years, are trucks gonna be more complicated or less complicated than they are today? So the, the, the beautiful part, or what I would hope, would be they would be not as complicated, right? But <laughs> it's not going that direction. I mean, yeah. it, it's going to get more complicated. If you just look at automotive, I mean, you see all the stuff they're putting on them nowadays. They're, Especially with EV right around the way. corner. Yeah. and Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get worse. So how often do you get students in asking about EV stuff? Does that come up at all, or is it not really coming up much? Um, it's mostly brought up more of jokes than actual questions. Yeah. Um, you know, how are you going to get a Class A tractor to go from, you know, coast to coast? You know, on a charge, well, you're not. But <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it's just yeah. it's just stuff like that. Yeah. What's your What's your thoughts on them? You're, you guys are both diesel guys. We're diesel laptops, right? Like, what? I'm the what, wrong what? guy to talk to about <laughs> it because I'm a I am I'm I'm I live in two worlds. Uh, families farmers um, came from a farming family, but I enjoy electricity. I think electric vehicles are neat. I think the idea is awesome. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I mean, I've talked about like, uh, the, the new Ford Lightning and the, and the Cybertruck. And, and you rode in a Tesla Ludacris. I rode in a Tesla. Yeah, what did you, you think of it? You rode in one. What did you think? I rode in a, in a Tesla P85D with a Ludacris package and I thought it was super awesome. I thought it was <laughs> um, It was glued to the chair. When, when they accelerate, they accelerate hard, you're thrown back to the seat and you don't hear anything. Yeah. Right? So, uh, but I'm also torn because... I like dirty diesel engines. You know, so, um, they made my career. You know, I, I feel the same way because I'm like, yeah. man, if, you know, like literally the reason diesel laptops exist is because of diesel engines, yeah, right? right? Yeah, And yeah. this whole thing. What's what's your opinion? I know you were a Ford like guy. I, said, I, was, I, was, I was more into electrical stuff like my whole life. <laughs> so I, I think it's really cool. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the good thing for our training department at least is that's kind of our backbone is the electrical stuff. So... It's not going to take much for us to pivot and, and people start doing people that. I, I get that question all the time right like oh, are you guys worried about electrification because you're diesel laptops I'm like I'll tell you what man they're still gonna be they're, they're gonna be electrical they're yeah. still gonna break down you got robots driving trucks not far in the future either yeah, that means right. there's gonna be a ton more sensors on these things yep. like oh yeah that's why it, it, it just it doesn't end right yeah. and that's just the next step and and yep. things keep going on and have to look at the name a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the joke, right? We're diesel laptops, and now we're doing, well, hey, great interlude to not diesel laptops. <laughs> We've got mobile devices, right. um, electrification. Um, uh, John Gilly from uh, Truck Tractor Trailers is like, dude, buy evlaptops.com, which maybe <laughs> you may need to go buy evlaptops.com, but maybe it's EV I, mobile devices. I was going to say, another thing that I'm interested in seeing is that, that two-stroke diesel that, that they've been working on. Yeah, that's um, right. It's supposed to be super efficient right out the gate. It's an opposed cylinder, opposed piston engine. Um, supposed to make really good power, super efficient, yeah. and supposed to have very, very low particulate matter and, and NOx output. So we Might may be seeing stuff. something yeah. neat like that I, happen. I, I think people need to realize diesel is going to be around for a long time. It's you not, yeah. not going to be. Yeah, you have off-highway equipment, yeah. generate. I mean, there's just there's yeah. so much stuff that's out there. So, well, since I brought mm -hmm. it up, the whole diesel decoder. So uh, have you been involved much in this one, this not one Scott? Not too much. You haven't been involved? Uh, aside from the ones you just leave laying around. And I just... <laughs> I can find Tyler you by know, the, it's, by it's the like trail. It's like my soda cans, right? Like, I just leave <laughs> laying around all the time. Like, where's my soda yeah. go? Like, oh, I can go get another one. Just go get another one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's a pallet of them down there, right? So, no, I'm super excited about this. I mean, we worked literally for two years on this. So, to have a device that pairs with that computer in your pocket, everyone's got one, Android and iOS, you literally can go in three minutes from connection to repair information for your fault codes. That's hard to do on our $10,000 diagnostic tools that we have. Sure. 
And I just see this kind of going like trucks. The technology keeps changing. I don't think the world of having big laptops with diagnostic software is where we are in 10 years. I think it's tablets and mobile devices and integration into yeah. the actual right. vehicles and sure. equipment themselves. Yep. So it's just a constant turning world. Um, and here's the irony. I don't know if you guys even know this yet. So, um, you know, you know, we made these. Dorman distributes them. We had a great relationship with them. Um, they came last week. And they go, Todd, we need to talk about something. They're like, oh, I'm like, great, what? And he's like, we need to talk about the price. I'm like, oh man, like they're 260 bucks. I'm like, is it is it too expensive? Like, they, want, they want to brazen. If they? he did, he goes, he goes, he goes, the pushback we're getting is too cheap. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, so we got to raise That's the price. Good. He's like, yeah, we're thinking, you know, 350 to 400. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, they're selling, but he goes, there, yeah, he goes, he goes, it's just, he goes, there's actually a perception that it's not that good of a tool because it, it does it. We show people, and they're like, that can't. The price isn't matching what it does. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're two sixty now. It sounds like they're going to three fifty. So, people are listening to the podcast, interested we'll in buying one. Now. Now. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. now before the price goes up. So I have to do whatever whatever Dorman wants the price at. So right. yeah. I'm super excited about that. I, I think, you know, I, and the reason I'm excited about that is I'm on so many of those Facebook groups where you see, and you guys are on them too. You're showing me some video right oh, yeah, before yeah. this, right? Like, yeah. people are like, I got this code. What do I do? You're just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> and there's a hundred posts a day like that. Yep. Someone mm-hmm. was at the dealership. Or they're, they're, or they're <laughs> yeah. using the wrong tools and they can't get the right yeah. codes like, out of I it. I got this SPN FMI. Yeah. You're like, well, that's because that's a pack car. They use P codes and you're using some generic I tools. could almost tell when I'm going to see Tyler at the bottom going, hey, you're using the wrong tool. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yep, Tyler's you know, you never, I you, you guys never, com- I know you don't use Facebook, right? I uh, don't. No, no. You never comment, though. And I'm always, I'm like, I'm going to start tagging Dustin comments on every <laughs> yeah. single one. I'm like, Dustin, help this guy. I'm like, Dustin. Tyler's going to hang. Tyler, get it. I just start taking screenshots now of like the mobile app. I'm like, just, you need this like, this and you can one click for repair information yeah. but people need help everywhere that's why we exist yep. you guys are doing your thing on the training side i'm excited about dallas love the courses we do here it's awesome when i walk in uh, and i see people here and i can tell when it's a service day a, a training class going on because there's like a service truck roll that gets parked yeah, out right. there of all yep. the guys showing up yeah. so it's really cool i'm really excited to see where we go hopefully we get into another city this year as well um i think you got yep. it narrowed down to three yep i'm looking at um chicago philadelphia in Atlanta right now. So. Well, I know the HR guy said, no way in heck are we going to <laughs> Illinois, but apparently like right outside. Yeah, yeah. we're going to try. See what we can do, so. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So, yep. well, guys, I really appreciate your time and everything. Um, the website, training.diesellaptops.com. Are you guys on LinkedIn at all or yep, uh, email? Yeah, yeah how do they? Yeah, so yep. Dustin Carnes on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. You'll be able to find me somewhere. Yeah. Heck, open the laptop or, up or and email. see his face. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Call next, and ask for me, whatever. Yeah, well... <laughs> And Scott, I, I got to tell you this too. I got to break you up on air here. Every time I talk to someone, because a lot of times we have like the business exec meetings. And we're like, hey, send some of your guys to our class for free, right? And we're always like, please, please come to one of the ones here, right? Yeah, we know right. we know it's you doing them. Yeah. And every single time they're like, that is the best instructor I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like that guy is awesome. That. So. Well, you remember like when when the training thing started taking off and and Tyler was like, Dustin, I think it might be time to get somebody else. And I'm like, he's like, do you want to put out something to hire somebody? I was like. Nope. I already know the guy. Like, I got the guy. I, he's never trained before, but I know. Like, <laughs> this is him right here. Well, so. you guys both, only, both <laughs> I, I think, have the same mentality as me. The heart of the teacher. You want to help people solve problems. And all we can do is bring them to the water, right? Can't make them drink, but it's there. Yep. Um, if they want to take that quiz, how do, how do they find it on the website? It's right on the very first page of the website. So you training.diesellaptops.com, scroll down a little bit, and it's right there on the main page. So if they do more than 42%, they're above average? Yep. <laughs> <Over 42%. laughs> What's a passing grade? 
I, I don't. Uh, I'm gonna say seventy because that's, that's what it was in school. So I'm gonna say seventy. Yeah, yeah that, hey, that, that works. Hey, C's get degrees. That's what I got that's in college. Right. I graduated. They don't put your GPA in your diploma. There you go. So, all right. With that, thank you very much, everyone, for watching and listening. It's been great. Check out training.diesellaptops.com. Hopefully, we we'll see you at one of those classes. Remember, you cannot have diagnostics done right unless you have some training. Thank you for watching and listening.